0: Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Bo's No Show with your host, your host, County Commissioner Jay Moltovich, and now here's Jay. Oh. Oh. Oh.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Bose nose show and it's another beautiful day in the pacific northwest and this is the Bose nose show we come to you weekly here at four o'clock on wednesday afternoons and i am your host jay bozovich westland county commissioner and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown elmira oregon and it is a beautiful day here because the wind's blowing out of the northwest which is the only direction the wind could blow from right now where we wouldn't be sucking down smoke from a forest fire in fact uh, last couple days here in eugene uh, uh, saturday sunday monday and most of tuesday we had anywhere from um, unhealthy to very unhealthy air quality uh here in the eugene uh springfield area and which includes elmira and uh for most of Lane County, in fact, I even had friends over in Florence saying they could smell the smoke there, uh, and that's pretty unusual to get um, bad air quality on the coast, unless you're in Bandon right now, which I can't imagine what it's like to have that huge fire looming over you in the in the uh, Coast Range that they have with the Checo Bar fire. But uh, right now, today, we are fortunate, clear blue skies about. 78 degrees you know just drop dead gorgeous compared to what it has been it was uh, 99 with um, an air quality index of 200 which you know you you you, which is in the very unhealthy range where they start telling people um, to stay inside air conditioned buildings and all that if they're elderly or young or have uh, asthma Uh, one of my fellow commissioners uh, Commissioner Sorensen suffers from asthma. And yesterday at the board meeting, he told me he used more asthma medicine in the last week uh, with the various uh, forest fire uh, smoke intrusions than he used in the last six years. Um, so, really, uh, these forest fires, you know, it's not just about the fact that they're burning up millions of dollars of, of timber. of of merchantable timber or the wildlife that's getting killed by these fires and the environmental damage and and the the amount of CO2 that's being released. It's also unhealthy for humans. I mean, it's really unhealthy. I am
0: pleased
1: that my wife just happens to be in the LA area this week, because she's got better air quality in LA than we have in Oregon. And there's really no excuse for this. In fact, you know, I was looking online, and you know that that Chetco bar fire actually started on July twelfth, and at one point it was only about twenty acres, and stayed there for almost two weeks. You know, it was it was a small fire, um, and, and it didn't really blow up. And, and grow until August so they had like two weeks they could have been fighting that fire and trying to keep it small um, and but it was in a wilderness the Calameopsis Wilderness here and the US Forest Service um, doesn't fight fires in wilderness aggressively at all if they fight him at all in fact they kind of have this let it burn because it's a natural thing um, you know, a lot of that wilderness is fairly new and had one, at one point been managed for us uh, in, in the history of of our state and um, trying to claim it's, you know, ready for natural fire regime is, is really, um, it, it's just not there, you know, the environment for natural fire and natural fire management and um, They had an opportunity if they brought in some air tankers and all that, but they don't like to bring in air tankers in wilderness areas because they're mechanized equipment, quote unquote, even though they never actually touched the ground. (laughs) Um, And it could probably have kept that whole um, huge uh, conflagration from happening. I mean, the thing's over 100,000 acres now. It's threatening an entire town of almost 6,000 people. They're on a evacuation notice. They're abandoned, uh, you know, it it's. You know, not making national news necessarily because Harvey's taking up so much of the news, uh, which, you know, everybody in Texas, you know, I have friends in Houston that I've been talking to and boy, that is just an incredible thing. 52 inches of rain in in a couple of days. Um, you know, we get a lot of rain here in Oregon, but we don't get 52 inches in, in three days. <laughs> That's just absolutely incredible. But, you know, here we are on the Bose Nose Show, and today's a free-for-all day, and that means you get to control the conversation. So anything you have on your mind, you can, um, we can talk about, which means uh, you can just give us a call here at 646-721-9887, and just press one and you can get in on the conversation here at Bose Nose Show. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And press one because that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the conversation because we do occasionally have people dial that number purely to listen to the show, uh, and you know, because sometimes you don't have a good internet connection. And that's one of the ways you can listen to the show is on your cell phone or you can do it with the uh, uh, the app that we talk about at the head of the show, and I'm gonna forget the name of it. Robin, help me, something FM.
0: <laughs> uh, player FM, and just search for KRBN.
1: That's right, thank you, Robin. <laughs> I, I was having one of those senior moments where the, the name completely left me. Uh, it's heck getting old. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, Player Player FM, and uh, that's uh, an app you can load on your phone and listen to the show that way. So there's all sorts of ways to to, and we are now broadcasting live on Facebook and that's another way you can listen to us and another way you can get a hold of us is by messaging us on Facebook to the uh, KRBN Internet um, News Talk Radio uh, Facebook page and uh, you know you can also email us at talk at krbn.net or so um this week is all sorts of things to talk about it was a busy week for me last week as a commissioner it was in all sorts of meetings but it's also been uh, an interesting week here in uh, at least yesterday in Eugene we had another visit by the gov uh gov kate stopped by in Eugene to do another of 12 different ceremonial signings of the transportation bill. I think she's already signed it like five times by the time she got to Eugene. Um, So I don't know how many times you can keep signing the same bill, but that's, you know, she was traveling around the state signing this big transportation package, which really does some good things for Lane County. But um, it's interesting she came here to focus on one little aspect of it, which is a program to provide subsidies for low-income people to buy electric and hybrid vehicles, um, which you know, all bills that eventually get through a um, uh, the legislature with bipartisan support have different compromises. That's probably one of the places where I could have gone. Ah, that could have been left out. <laughs> but that's kind of where you get everybody to vote for it. Um, well, but jump in there for a sec, Jay.
0: Sure. Well, I just wanted to kind of comment about, you know, if I think get an electric vehicle. Uh, I found out recently the first version of the Prius um, may sound pretty good, you know, on the surface and all the tax breaks you got for it, but when it comes down to repair, like one example, if the charging system went out where, like on a regular car, you, know, you go down, you replace the alternator, a hundred bucks, and you're done, um, this use, the Prius, the first generation Prius uses a generator that's inside the transaxle, so you're looking at least a thousand dollars to repair the charging system.
1: Wow, yeah, and I've heard that replacing the battery bank, if it starts to go bad, is like a five thousand dollar replacement.
0: Exactly, and so if you do if you do the math, it really doesn't pencil out.
1: No, they they don't pencil out without subsidies. And in fact, I think somebody did the actual carbon footprint of a Prius and it was actually um, worse than some SUVs because of the amount of energy it takes to mine, the precious metals that make up the battery bank. And and then ultimately to dispose of those hazardous, um, heavy metals at the tail end. Um, You know, so, and you're running, you know, it, it, you're still having to get a certain amount of, of petroleum fuel through that system, it's you know they they have good mileage, but they're not they're still a, a hybrid where they burn actual fuel and have a carbon footprint there. And then when you get to the full electric cars, same thing. There's a battery system that that can go eventually goes bad. Um, anyone that's had uh, a rechargeable um, oh drill or something like that has a battery pack to it knows that eventually those those battery packs Um, Stop. They they start short-cycling, they call it, where they they only hold a little bit of a charge before they completely drop out, and uh, batteries actually do that over time.
0: They develop the memory, and the other thing that the state of Oregon has been trying to do, and I think this is why she's really trying to push this, not for environmental, is we get back to the uh, uh, per-mile tax with the onboard GPS system.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which you know, in some ways, is a, a direct user fee. Um, as people start getting away from uh, vehicles that actually use tax and pay gas tax, um, you know, that might work if they connect it to the weight of the vehicle somewhat. Because one of the things about a gas tax is, if you're a high mileage vehicle you're usually a lightweight vehicle you're not causing as much wear on the roadways as if you have a um, a vehicle that gets poor mileage you know per gallon Um, it's usually a heavier vehicle and is creating more damage to the roadways so it kind of it it kind of is a built-in version of a weight mile tax you know because the the more you drive you know you'll you'll buy more gallons of gas they went to a pure mileage thing and i think they'd have to mix in some kind of weight of the vehicle to it um and then there's a you know the whole issue of having that kind of tracking in your car um gets really interesting uh
0: well it's not only that but um and it's on the state of oregon's website that people want to actually get the facts about this system because one of the things they were talking about in addition to paying per mile they're also doing a thing called a congestion tax. So in other words, if you go to work at four o'clock in the morning, you might pay half a cent a mile, but on your way home, if it's between, if it's around eight o'clock or your rush hour, it might be four cents a mile. And then when you go up over the Ferry Street Bridge, it could be very easily to say, okay, the Ferry Street is a toll bridge now, and we'll charge that. So when you go to the pump to fill up, the first thing it's going to do is calculate the tax yield and take that off the top, and then of course, then you can buy gas if there's anything left in the twenty dollars you want to spend
1: yeah yeah, mark on that uh, yeah yeah it it's uh kind of interesting where some of the people want to go with with transportation. I read a really good article um online the other day about and it was out of actually um, the uh Oakland area, I think, of California about this whole desire to get into rail and light rail and trolleys and how wrong that really was of trying to go back to last century's transportation because it's under the misguided notion that your city centers, your your major employment center, which is really only true of New York City, where Manhattan has 20 percent of the jobs of, of all of New York city is is in downtown manhattan Um, most downtowns contain as little as two percent of the jobs of the whole city because they're distributed throughout the entire city and to try and have systems that are meant to just go to and from a hub doesn't quite (laughs) doesn't always work out well and it's better to have um, use uh, buses as your mass transit because one, it's flexible and you can change routes over time as demand changes. Um, but you can have a much more networked uh, gridded sort of system where you can get from point A to point B um, much more easily. And of course, then you don't have the whole expensive tracks and, and uh, blocking uh, surface tr- transit with uh, trolleys and things like that. So yeah, it, it's interesting, and and what's you know, I had a conversation today, um, actually, with our administrator about transportation a little bit, and was trying to think out ways 10 or 20 years out, when we get to the point where there's autom- autonomous vehicles that are driving themselves, and people just have to, you know, have an app on their phone, like Uber or Lyft, and they just call a vehicle to their you know their house and they jump in the vehicle and go to their job and get out of that vehicle and the vehicle goes off to take somebody else on a trip um you know we we were talking about how that might change the whole concept of you know how much parking needs to be provided at an office building or um, how that might change traffic so much because if you have a uh, heavy you know almost all autonomous vehicles that can sync up and and see traffic and and uh, actually queue and go the same speed and and merge and, and change lanes. You know it, it. It actually can increase the same, you know, for the same number of lanes, the volume of traffic that can get through because they can actually close up the gaps and a few other things you'd never do in, in, in self driven vehicles because of the reaction time of a human driver. Um, so. You know, it's kind of interesting that we're all kind of still in sort of, you know, um, looking backwards and still designing a lot of our transportation infrastructure for the for what's in the rear rearview mirror somewhat. And, and in fact, some cities are going a century back and trying to go back pre automobile to trolleys. You know, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, when you really think about you know, Domino's Pizza and Ford were test driving an autonomous pizza delivery car the other day. Uh, we're really not that far away from autonomous vehicles. I won't really be happy with it because I like driving. I love driving. I love taking a car, you know, that handles well on a twisty road and going around those curves and stuff like that. Um, you know, I i am one of these type of people that uh, that, you know, You tell me I've got to drive six hours to get to some place. It's like, cool.
0: (laughs) You know what the scariest part about autonomous vehicles is? Operating system by Microsoft.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and somewhat of the scariest part about all this is as we get into, um, you know, multiple autonomous vehicles and in controlling traffic flow and what they call smart highways, a lot of that's going to have to require require artificial intelligence. So they're gonna start having autonomous vehicles that have AI built in and they're gonna be communicating with highways that control traffic through AI. And there's not gonna be a human touching that entire system. You know, and, and you you know kind of gets the <laughs> when do the machines turn against us? <laughs> well it brings
0: uh not so that in the communication as part of the uh, uh I think that's being deployed pretty soon is Mainly going to be used, but here's a question: Google has one of their autonomous vehicles that has no steering wheel, no brakes, no throttle, or anything else. You're just passenger in the car. Yep. And would you be comfortable with that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it, you know, you get on some of these trams at, a, at an airport to go between, uh, you know, terminals. There's no driver in the tram. Yeah, you, know, you just get in and the door closes and you got, you know, and the computer's running that tram, but it's at least on a rail and all that stuff. And There's no other traffic, but, you know, it's about that same feeling. And I, it's almost like, you know, I get in, I'll get in a uh, an Uber now or a taxi and trust the driver, and, you know, and, and you're getting in a bus and trusting the driver. It's a little bit odd to get into a vehicle and have no driver there, but I kind of, you know, with some of that capability you almost trust that computer more than some of these drivers in fact i have a friend that um is still suffering uh major back and medical issues from an accident she was in that a taxi cab driver caused you know where she was in the back seat it was a rollover accident Um, you know so you know there is you know even having a human there with a steering wheel with the brake pedal um, can still you're, you know you still can be giving up the control to somebody else um, so it's kind of one of those futuristic things thinking down the road but it, it is worth every once in a while thinking a little bit further ahead and, and kind of wondering if we're making some of the right decisions on on infrastructure planning based on that um, and even city planning at times, because uh, one of the things that kind of led us into that whole conversation was um, the need for housing in this state and how, you know, whoever can figure out how to provide workforce housing at a reasonable cost is going to win the economic development um, game in in, in in this state, and in this country, because it's really a, a huge um, drag on on a lot of areas of this country is, you can, you can recruit some company to relocate to your city, but if they can't, you know, bring people in to, to work because they uh, can't find a place that they can afford to buy and they're constantly having trouble recruiting, um, they're not going to stay here very long. So uh, it's one of those things we really uh, need to resolve is that whole housing issue. So, you know, the governor know it was in the news for a couple things this week you know we kind of got off topic of her little transportation signing party which you know that's you know i guess that's part of you know she's going to be running for re-election next year so she wants to be seen all over the state doing good things but she also announced this pers task group or whatever she has assigned where she's told them to come up with a way to to reduce the pers debt by $5 billion from its estimated 24, unfunded liability of 24 billion right now, which is a big lie anyway, because it's based on a on assumed rate of return that's way too high. Uh, it's actually probably closer to 50 billion of an unfunded liability. Um, but she really, you know, basically is, is asking this group to put the state on fire sale. They want to get rid of assets and all that stuff and, and sell state-owned property. And um, I don't know if it's always a good idea to um, to go fire sales. not a bad thing for the state to be divesting themselves of surplus property and property they just don't need to hold because I really don't believe Uh, I think government should hold as little property as possible, and it should be in private hands. Uh, And we can talk about the federal government owning 55% of Oregon to start with. Um, It's a whole separate issue, but uh, she really seems to be pushing for this huge fire sale to generate a bunch of one-time money uh, to try and draw down this PERS um, unfunded liability. Uh, But she seems to be really reluctant to work on things that might actually change the PERS system. Uh, and there were some proposals uh, during the last legislative session to actually uh, end PERS as we currently know it and start a new system. Uh, and, and it would be, you know, whatever benefits you've earned to that the time they make that changeover, you'd have the right to those benefits. You just couldn't keep adding on to your benefits from that day forward. You, you know, your new benefits would be under the new system. Um, And and that would actually save some of that that unfunded liability along with if they could start um, lowering the assumed uh, earnings rate that will also control some of that unfunded liability in the future. The only problem with lowering the assumed rate is it's going to require school districts and local governments in the state to come up with more money uh, in their budgets to pay their PERS uh, because it's going to show they need they actually need to be Putting more money away, but so she's got the purse fire sale going on. She's promoting, you know, subsidies for electric cars, and then on top of all that, she signs something called Senate Bill seven nineteen, better known to some of us that are pro Second Amendment as the gun confiscation bill. And you know, kind of, uh, I don't know where whether you're. Uh, Pro Second Amendment or anti Second Amendment, you don't like guns and all that stuff, you should be bothered a little bit by this bill because it, it's kind of supposed to be this extreme hazard um, uh, safety bill where somebody can come in and testify to your state of mind that you are either a hazard to yourself or somebody else, the general public. Um, your spouse, whatever. And a judge can issue an order based on that third party testimony uh, to have you turn, it, turn over all the deadly weapons in your household. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a scary thing because, you know, what's to stop the abuse of that system? What's to stop um, a disgruntled ex-girlfriend Who you haven't even talked to for months realizing that you're a really big deer and elk hunter and it's coming up right now on the deer and elk season in fact it's bow season right now and she goes and says i'm really worried about so and so i've been getting you know some phone calls from him and he's been threatening me and he's been talking about taking his own life he sounded really depressed i think we need he needs have all his weapons removed and the next thing you know you know he can't you know he's paid for all these hunting licenses and and gone through the lottery for his various tags and everything and there goes all his 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 firearms that and, and and his bows and whatever else and he's out of luck for hunting season uh and by the time you get to the hearing process which you know the person accused can request a hearing um hunting season may may pretty well be over you know and and, uh you may have lost out on on your opportunity to fill your uh freezer full of uh elk meat for the for the winter and uh for some families that's kind of one of the ways they stretch their their grocery budget uh it just it there's such a simple way to abuse that law in so many ways. And then the whole idea of a judge um, taking somebody's word that's a um, non-mental health professional about the mental health um, status of another individual and then ordering um, something that was basically infringing on on a clearly called out constitutional right uh, of the Second Amendment is is pretty uh, a pretty frightening thing, and you know if you really think about it, even if you're an you know an anti-gun person, don't think people should have guns, guns are dangerous, whatever else. Let's think of some other uh, constitutionally protected um, uh, item, and, and and if some third party could go to a judge and say, I want you take that away because I feel that they're going to use it in an incorrect fashion. Uh, Let's take for instance uh, your right to free speech Um, and basically asking a judge to basically take away all your internet connections and your computers and all that stuff because uh, you feel that person's unstable, has gotten connected with some hate speech groups and you feel like they're going to post hate speech and therefore um, based on that imminent danger of a future crime, uh, a judge should be able to take away their uh, ability to express themselves uh, as they have the right to under the Constitution. I don't think anyone would think that a preemptory sort of judgment like that should be able to be issued from the bench without the person that's accused of, you know, being part of those hate groups, or whatever else, at least being able to defend themselves in that same hearing. And this bill sets up a process where the accused is not present when the judge is gonna make a decision and isn't even, and can be not, can, can be completely unaware of the proceedings until they receive a copy of the bench warrant asking them to turn over their their deadly weapons from their household so just you know imagine you know that you got uh you know even if you're one of these folks that doesn't like guns imagine you get uh somebody shows up knocks on your door it's a sheriff from the civil division of the sheriff's department delivering a warrant from the the local district court saying please Turn over all your computers, your iPhone and your iPad, and anything that you can post on the internet, because uh, your ex-spouse uh, has fingered you as a member of a hate group, and you're going to abuse your First Amendment rights and post hate speech. Um, so, therefore, we're going to, based on that eminent uh, possibility of a future crime we're going to take your first amendment rights away from you
0: could also be jay that uh i'm your neighbor and i don't like you
1: yeah it could be anything yeah i don't like you i'm going to get back at you in some way or i'm your neighbor that you actually filed a legitimate complaint about last week because let's say they were burning tires and and um plastic and trash in their backyard on a non-burn day and and burning illegal materials boots so you called el rapa or something on them and they got busted for illegal burning and 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 of course the neighbor figured out who it was because you know obviously the wind was blowing in your direction that day so you were the one that called and then they turn in then they try and utilize this system of um you know uh Going to a hearing where you don't, you're not present to try and take away your weapons, just as a gotcha back because you actually had a legitimate reason for calling the authorities. Um, You know that's that's not an unusual situation. Believe me, as a commissioner, a lot of the complaints between neighbors I get, I'll get them from both neighbors. (laughs) You know where they're they're fingering each other, trying to get some third party to 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 jump in this dispute and 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 using you know either law enforcement or or zoning code or something to get back at their neighbor uh i i I see that on a regular basis and and this just sets up a system to make to, to to take that to a whole new level not to mention how would you like to be the deputy that has to go knock on the door and deliver that that bench warrant for the removal of those weapons think about that you know you're out there on your own in the middle of some uh, rural area have to go down a long gravel driveway or whatever else to the house knock on the door hand the person at the door who because there's one of these things you know he's got probably has deadly weapons in the house, because why would somebody ask for him to be removed? And at the same time, if you believe what happened in the hearing, the guy must be unstable one way or the other. So you're going to go up and knock on his door with, you know, in your, in your law enforcement uniform and expect that to turn out well.
0: Well, it's not just that. They're not <clears throat> just going to knock on your door. They're going to come in force. If they think there's a weapon
1: yeah yeah so so then so well so if you're the sheriff say you're the elected sheriff of a county and you're handed one of these from a bench are you going to send a single civil service deputy out there or are you going to send your slot team you know because you got to think of the safety of your employees you send your slot team yeah and and next thing you know it's 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 brian all over again and and we've got somebody somebody dead and it's all because we set up this system where a third party can ask the court to take away somebody's second amendment rights but what's really interesting you know is is i i'm i was kind of thinking about this whole law when the governor signed it last week and you know the one thing i don't think came down with this was any money for counties to set up systems for taking in these these weapons you know here here you know that we're supposed to they're supposed to turn in these weapons turn into who it's going to end up being the local law enforcement either the city police or the county deputy county sheriff and what do we do with them yeah you, know, you know we they turn them over to us of course then there's a question about whether we have to do a background check on the deputy that receives them because it's they're unrelated to the party and, and there's a transfer of firearms uh, so under senate bill 941 do we have to run a background check on the deputy that actually takes them in uh, <laughs> sorry i'm just being little facetious there the question is 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 if they're ever to be returned to that person which the bill is very vague about returning of the if the quote deadly weapons. And how that process works um then do we have to do background checks on that person upon returning them and of course will they pass a background check after having them removed <laughs> for whatever reason yeah you know, it, it, it it's a big question there and uh you know i just it it's I think one of the ways they think they're going to get this past legal legal muster with the courts is one. No one's going to be able to sue till they actually have their weapons removed because you won't have standing. You can't show you've been damaged by the law until somebody actually takes your weapons away. So you know it's going to to have to wait till at least the first case of confiscation before it can actually be challenged in the courts. Uh, And then they're gonna claim that there is due process involved because you can request the hearing after the fact. Um, and that's, that's gonna be an interesting legal battle between you know the defenders of this bill and the folks that, that don't like it, whether that, that meets due process or not for removing somebody's rights. Uh, so it'll be fascinating legal test, but you know what would be great is that we ever have to get there. And that's where you know folks can go to, um, you know, on the internet, and they can go to uh, Bill Post's Facebook page, and it's um, if you type in Bill Post up there in the search bar for Facebook, I'm sure you'll find it. And he's got a link there on his Facebook page to uh, a repeal uh, 719 site, um, and you can download the individual. Um, signature petition, which is one you can download, sign yourself, and just mail back and you you sign the petition to refer this thing to the ballot. They only need to get 58,000 signatures to refer it and then at least it wouldn't go into effect um, in in another 40 days. Of course, the governor delayed signing it so it cut short the amount of time to gather signatures. So if you're interested in at least seeing the whole state of Oregon uh, have a chance to vote on this versus just our legislature, which is not, I don't think, terribly representative of Oregon, particularly when it comes to certain issues. Just look at have to look at the driver's license referral that happened a few years ago that got voted down overwhelmingly by the citizens of the state, even though it passed the legislature. Um, you know, I think this is a similar bill. If we can get it on the ballot, it will overwhelmingly be voted down because i don't think people like the idea of people having their rights taken away without due process of law and the ability to stand and challenge their accuser in that in that process and that's really um what you can do is just you know head on to facebook you know search for bill post, uh or um you can even just uh Go on to Google, I think, and if you put uh, in uh, repeal uh, repeal 719, I think, uh, see if that'll get you there. So yeah, it's never going to. That'll get you there.
0: Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, if you just put in repeal 719, and and that'll get you to a link. Uh, the top link there is to Bill Post's um, site, his house site, and um, right there, if you scroll down a little bit, there's some links to download the uh, a 10 line petition sheet if you want to go out and collect petitions. And I think there's one there for um, an individual sheet also. So uh, definitely uh, just google repeal 719 and you'll find how to get on there and get you know sign a petition Um, let's let's at least vote on this as the state let's have the conversation not rush it through the legislature um, sit on it for two months sign it as late as possible uh, and and uh, like the governor did and then set up a system that's gonna really, one, endanger our law enforcement, and two, uh, endanger our constitutional rights. I think um, it was not a well thought out law, and I think we really, you know, the uh, motivations behind it um, for people like Brian Boquist, uh, who I know and respect, you know, about trying to protect people that are suicidal Uh, particularly a lot of vets that are suicidal in this country that that commits suicide i i commend them for wanting to try and do something about it the problem is is they this is the wrong way to do it um you know it's it's one of those things where it's that balance of you know if we want to try and make the world safe by taking away people's constitutional rights where does that stop you know um we could be we could be confiscating all sorts of things based on somebody's ability or possibility i should say to commit a future crime you know and that's i think there was a science fiction movie about there about that wasn't there about future crimes
0: yeah and there's also the, the old saying about how much freedom are you willing to give up for the illusion of safety
1: yeah yeah And frankly, I'd I'd rather live in a very unsafe world that is is freedom and liberties um, than to live in one that has no freedom or liberty uh, and that's safe, Uh, because it's an illusion of safety anyway. When you get right down to it, um, the things people die of, if you go to some of the mortality stuff on the the, uh, Center for Disease Control, Your chances of actually dying from falling in your home, some sort of trip and fall, fall off a ladder, whatever else in your home, are like one in 5,000 in the next year. It's incredibly, yet your your possibility of uh, being injured by a firearm, including suicide, is way, 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 way lower than that. So it's like, how are you going to prevent everybody from tripping and falling in their own homes yeah
0: well unfortunately um in some cases i think how can i put this politely like going back to the uh, to the recent eclipse where some of the eye doctors actually had to treat people because they put sunblock in their eyeballs
1: <laughs> oh gosh and so, and they're probably going to sue the sunblock company, because they didn't warn you about not doing that. <laughs> yeah, It wasn't on the warning label. Actually, it probably is on the warning label nowadays. I, I loved um, in the last week or so uh, Dilbert uh, had a, one of the characters was having to write a warning a warning uh, statement for their new software product or whatever.
0: Huh?
1: and It had to take in every possibility being injured and some of the stuff that they were coming up with in that comic strip was so ludicrous it was great satire it was it was just hilarious but that's kind of the way you know the fact that you have to put a sign on a lawnmower that says don't put your hands and feet under here
0: (laughs) well and what's sad and this unfortunately is a true case speaking of lawnmowers where this father and son picked up a lawnmower to use as a head trimmer and they lost their fingers and then sued the lawnmower company because it didn't say anywhere that you couldn't do that yeah
1: don't use this as a hedge trimmer <laughs> God.
0: There's, there's a reason why it's called a <clears throat> lawn mower. mower
1: yeah oh my goodness
0: but like they like ron white says you can't fix stupid
1: <laughs> yeah and we wouldn't want a world where the government tries to fix stupid
0: yeah, you know, stupid is as stupid does.
1: Yeah. Cause that that's really and that's kind of what this Senate Bill seven nineteen is, you know, trying to fix all these, you know, fix some things. Yet yes, there are problems, and yes, it's very sad when somebody commits suicide or when somebody gets killed by somebody with a mental health issue. But you know, of all the things we worry about society, the chances of either of those happening is very small compared to so many other dangers in our life, uh, and so many other um, high risk we have. Uh, you know, every time you get in an automobile, uh, your risk of dying as a pedestrian are much higher than than dying from a gunshot. Um, you know, it's just, are we going to stop walking? <laughs> you know,
0: our, what uh, what city was it? It was it that. Has the bill that you can't walk through a crosswalk, use your phone at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's not a bad thing because I've seen people walk into the the post for the uh, traffic signal on the other side of the road while talking on their cell phone. (laughs) I think there's a a new medical term for that, that there's a spot right on your forehead you hit when you're looking at your screen. You know where they get the goose egg on the front of the forehead, you know, that it's, it's you know, kind of, you know, screen concussion or something like that. You know, it's kind of, you know there was a you know, way back when in this I'm going to show my age in the 60s when skateboards first got popular and they basically you would take an old roller skate and break it apart and put the put the, the trolleys from the roller skate onto a board and they had those those metal or rock wheels that that um,
0: caught every pebble
1: yeah every pebble would just stop them like a like on a dime and either falling backwards or forwards particularly falling backwards as they went out from under a kid right they put their arm out and fracture a portion of their 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 arm right above the wrist and there was a a, a, a angle of that fracture and everything that got to be known by orthopedic surgeons Time is a skateboard fracture <laughs> and, and it was it was that common that you know and you, you I don't know it, if you're in my age group around you know, I'm getting ready to turn 60 and you were in grade school in the 60s all your friends you know half of them had that that elbow to, ri- de- to wrist cast you know that wrapped around you know that you got the sign from having a skateboard fracture yeah yeah
0: yeah, how did we ever survive without helmets and pads? and?
1: Oh, God, yeah. But it, it's just, uh, you know, nowadays, you know, people walk around with their heads down in those screens, and I swear to God there's going to be a new medical term for that, that, that goose egg people get on their forehead from walking into a post while looking at their damn phone. <laughs>
0: in fact, here's a question for our listeners, uh, and you want to comment here on Facebook or, or email us. In school today, do they actually, or does anybody teach the kids to stop and look both ways before crossing traffic? I think they try to in some of these traffic safety stuff,
1: but um, I don't think that's quite as as um, put in, you know, uh, hammered into people. In fact, somewhat today, it's more hammered into the fact that you've got the right of way as a pedestrian, and they don't look. And just expect you to stop you know yeah. there's a, kind of an entitlement thing that's being taught to, to younger people nowadays because boy i see a lot of them that will almost challenge you step right you know step right in front of you and then look up after they're already in the street like you are stopping aren't you oh yeah
0: on a dot no no problem
1: yeah yeah i know it just uh amazes me you know that yeah look both ways first you know and, and make sure Traffic's really coming to a stop before you step off that curve. Um, yeah, so yeah, and you know, again, this is a free-for-all day for folks. So if you want to chime in on pedestrian safety or Senate Bill 719 or electric cars or purse fire sales or fires in general, it's 646 721 9887 here on the Bose Nose show. Again, that's 646-721-9887 and uh we'll get you on the show no one's on waiting to get on on right now so you call in you get right on the show uh and we'll get to your your topic your question what you want to talk about uh here on the Bose nose show because that's why we do this show we want to have a conversation with you all out there in lane county or anywhere out there in oregon or wherever you are we've even had uh, a caller from south africa time uh, on the Bo's Nose Show. Somebody must not have been able to sleep and had true insomnia that they were listening to. Uh, a show from the other side of the world in, in the middle of the night there. Um, but again, it, to give us a call, at 646-721-9887. And, uh, we'll get you on and we'll talk about what you want to talk about. And of course, there are all those other ways of getting a hold of us. Uh, Robin mentioned Facebook there. You can email us at talk at krbnradio.net. And you can also um, PM us on Facebook and you can uh, you know, look, us, look me up on Facebook. Uh, you know, the show here is on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio on Facebook, and of course, I've got my page, Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner. Um, pretty easy to find and get a hold of and talk about whatever you want to talk about.
0: Don't be shy,
1: yeah, don't be shy. I don't bite, we treat people nicely on the Bo's Nose Show. I'm not Lars Larson.
0: And also, it's an opportunity, if you have a question about Lane County, uh, our government in general, um, to send Jay a question or comment, and because I'm sure everybody has suggestions or whatever they would like to share. They just don't know how to do it. Well, here's your opportunity.
1: Yep. Yeah. You might want to talk a little bit about the uh, editorial in the paper the other day. Uh, I think it was titled Building a Better Mousetrap. Um, That talked about how Lane County has managed to save millions of dollars in taxpayer funds by actually helping our employees become more healthy, and that we actually got an award as the uh, third healthiest employer, but we were the number one public employer in the state, uh, a large employer, and that's you know pretty impressive because I you know we're up against everybody from uh, you know. I think that the, the the winning yeah. folks were some folks that actually have health industry ties like Kaiser Permanente that were ahead of us but um, you know there are other companies out there that have the resources to to have a healthier workforce you'd think Nike or something like that might might beat us out Intel uh, nope uh, little old Lane County uh, has been investing in our um, resources and in changing our insurance to incentivize people to stay healthy and in some ways one of the things we did uh, at least five of our our bargaining units now have um, at least a small monthly premium they pay uh, which wasn't always true in lane county they actually weren't paying any premiums and the county was paying the full cost of their health insurance but they can get 20 dollars a month rebated back to them if they'll participate in a wellness um, uh, appointment with our wellness center where they you know get you know their blood pressure checked blood sugar checked uh uh uh, their cholesterol and all that good stuff and they go over the numbers with a um uh, a nurse uh, practitioner and talk about you know, and do a health history and all that stuff, and talk about ways of developing some healthier behaviors. And at the same time, we also offer through this wellness clinic, which um, is specifically for our employees, um, smoking cessation, uh, diabetes management uh, assistance, weight loss, you know, all these various uh, health coaching things. And we've managed to really decrease our utilization of typical healthcare. Instead of, you know, uh, the old style of um, employer provided health benefit where we gave them a little plastic card and they could go to a doctor and that plastic card paid their bill or most of their bill. Um, and that was really how, you know, we dealt with health, you know, this in this case, it's we're trying to provide incentives for people not to use that plastic card. They stay healthy enough, they don't need it. And it's really paying off. And in fact, in the 10 years from 2001 to 2011, which I got sworn in in January of 2011, Lane County's employee health benefit costs went up 100% over that 10 year period. Basically, it doubled. And at the time I took over, that was about Thousand dollars a year we're paying per employee, so it went from basically nine thousand a year ten years back in two thousand one to eighteen thousand a year per per employee in Lane County. And since two thousand and eleven, we've done a lot to try and reform our our health insurance system. Uh, We went to self insurance, and over the last three years, we have had zero percent increase in our health in our employee health benefit costs and and in that since 2011 total has been less than six percent a little over you know about 5.8 percent increase in employee health benefit costs and i would challenge um, you to find any other employer the size of lane county you know where we've got 1,400 employees right now that has had 0% increase in their health insurance costs. Think about what's going on with the Affordable Care Act and the, uh, you know, the insurance costs for folks that are participating in that. They're, you know, 20% in a single year is is, is typical, if not uh, the low end. They're seeing 25% increases. Uh, and in some states as much as 100% increases in premiums where we're sitting with a stable uh, cost in that and it's saving our taxpayers millions of dollars in annual costs. And it's all about being proactive about helping people be healthier and a partnership between the employees and the employer about being healthy. And uh, it was nice to see that uh, editorial, in the Register Guard, this last week, kind of recognizing uh, Lane County for doing that. Um, you know, if you're conservative, you should like the fact that we're doing that because we are actually controlling uh, our internal cost and saving taxpayers money. If you're uh, more on the, the, the liberal um, you know, side, you might like the fact that we're actually being proactive and helping people be healthier and adopt healthier lifestyles. Uh, So it's really, um, you know, a a win-win situation. And I thought, you know, a piece of really good news that Lane County was recognized as being um, the healthiest public employer in the state. You know, that includes uh, school districts, uh, other counties, cities, the state of Oregon, you name it. Uh, We are the number one healthiest um, employer in our size range. in the state and i think that speaks a lot to uh, our management and our employees that that have been participating because we can't just have that happen without the employees actually helping and uh, there's some statistics i don't have it in front of me but uh, through our wellness clinic uh, there's been huge changes in people's um, bmi or body mass index and and percent uh, body fat uh that that have gone to that uh people getting uh lowering their blood pressure we have some great stats on how much people have lowered their blood pressure over time by participating in our wellness programs uh and it also helps with employee engagement because we can actually measure the fact that we have less sick days and we're getting more work done so good things for taxpayers all around well we're just about ready to wrap up another edition of Bose Nose Show. And I'm sure there was about 10 other things I can talk about today that you want to hear. So write us a note uh, at talk at krbnradio.net. And uh, we'll get to your subject next week on the show. Thank you for listening. And this is Jay Bose, is your host, signing off. Have a great week. there. Awesome.